You can be seated. Tell you what, uh, I don't know if you know that song. I've been singing that song for over a year. Uh, the first song, uh, For God So Loves, is a newer one. It's actually the theme song for this series. But I don't know about you, but man, singing that, do it again. And it's going to tie into where I'm headed in the message later. Uh, man, I, I, first service, the only word that came to my mind is that, that just jacks me up. I'm just so pumped up right now. Uh, I, and I don't know where this came from, the first service, but I said, man, I, I wanted to do the floss during the song. You know what I mean? But I can't do it. So can somebody out there do it? Can you do it? Let me see you do it. Seriously, I want to see it. I, I, I've never seen anybody over 10 years old do this well. Dude, dude, that's impressive. Don't get a free coffee on me. Yeah, I don't know. You teach me after. I cannot get it. I have no rhythm. Um, but no. And some of you are like, okay, what was going on right here? Here's why we did what we just did. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and I'm guessing you're a little bit the same way. When I am, like, horizontal all, all week, what do I mean by that? I don't mean laying down. I mean thinking on a horizontal level. That's the way life is. There's problems. There's things you got to deal with, and there's people, and there's things you goes, and then you walk in here, and, and, and we stay the same place. That's not what we're here for. We're here to take all of us to remind us, oh, wait a minute. There's a vertical perspective that changes absolutely everything. And some of you know the words, so you, just, you can sing them. Others of you are listening in. And let me tell you, when you're in a community where people believe what we just sang, and let me tell you, some of you need to believe what we just sang. What did we just sing? We just sang that God did something in the past, and we believe. That's a big statement. Not we wish or hope. We actually believe. We're staking our life on, he'll do it again. You know, he once moved a mountain. We read about it. We may have even seen something like that in our own life 10 years ago or last week or maybe it was 50 years ago and you haven't seen him do anything and you're, you're sort of singing something that says, I need to believe this and I don't right now, so I'm going to sing it over and over. So I start to believe he can still move him out. He made a way once, he can still make a way. And by the way, that's where we're going today. I'll show you in a second. But it's like, man, we, we sing those out. And the first song, you know, it's on the new Hillsong album, For God So Loved. First time I heard it, we sat down with Cody and Chris back here and Josh Corner, and we, we literally said, we got to bring that song to Orion. And that's why you've sung it the last two weeks. And if you were here Wednesday night, we didn't even have to play. The place sang it so loud. We just listened to you sing it. It was awesome because it's the gospel in one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to whoever believes in him shall now perish but have eternal life. I remember teaching my kids. You know, my youngest son preached here last week, Cody. But I remember teaching them when they were little. How do you... How do we teach them scripture? Through music. They sang a melody. They learned a melody. They learned scripture. That's what we just did with you, bunch of little kids. We all just sang a scripture verse so that we'll never forget it. For God so loved the world, hopefully you'll never forget it. And if, if, and if you're like, man, I never hear that in my life, get the Hillsong album, download it right now, and start listening to it. It literally takes you vertical, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And something happens when you go vertical, it changes everything. And by the way, we also just cleared the room in the last 10 minutes. What's that mean? We just said, Satan, you're not welcome here. There's one person we worship. His name is Jesus. We just sang to him. Now we're going to ask him to speak. No other voice is going to speak. That one. We just as a community said, that's where we're going today. God, speak to us, and then we're going to take that out there. So, Father, I pray right now, Jesus, you speak. No one else, you speak. It's so cool to think, even as I'm teaching right here, my son's over in 1302 teaching people how to hear the voice of God at the same time. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that's happening in this community. God, we want to hear you, 
And just as importantly, we want to obey and do what you call us to do today. In Jesus' name, speak. Amen. All right, so we're in week two, as you know, of Intentional Acts of Kindness, which is sort of an uh, interesting series. You know, we, we plan our series a year out. We know what we're going to do a year from now on the weekends. Those can change, but they're sort of put down. And when we first looked at this series, uh, Chris Arbaugh brought it in, and he called it Random Acts of Kindness. And I raised my hand. I go, uh, it's not random if the church does it. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, when the church gets involved in doing what the church is supposed to do, which is be kind to people and help people, there's a concept for the church. <laughs> what do you think? You think people want the church people to be kind and do things for people? Yeah, that, like Jesus would do, yeah. I said, it's not random, it's intentional. You don't just do it randomly. You think it through, you see somebody, you act, that's intentional. And, and they go, that's a great idea. We're going to cross out random and put intentional. So you're welcome. That was my idea. So it's intentional acts of kindness. And here's what I'm hoping. I hope it's not a three-week series that we do random acts or intentional acts for people for three weeks. I hope it's a life that we begin to live. That's the, the life God calls to live. So last week, we started with eyes. Cody was up here. It was interesting. I was in the Dominican Republic on a mission trip, which you're going to hear about in November. We made, we're making a video that you're going to see a new partner we have in the Dominican Republic. But I live-streamed it from the Dominican Republic. What a world we live in. I'm in the poorest area in the Dominican Republic. I'm thinking there's no way I'm going to get a signal. And I watch God talk about putting on your what? God, God goggles. Yeah, see, remember that. that was my idea. I came up with that. No, it, it was his. And it was good. It's like, man, if you don't see people the way God sees people, you'll never help people. It's just a series. But if you begin to put on the lenses of God, seeing the image of God in everybody, people you don't even like, are made in the image of God. People that have hurt you are made in the image of God. Your neighbor, your boss, your mom or dad, your, your son or daughter, they're made in the image of God. And when you begin to see them, I can't tell you the number of stories I've heard already from midweek. Cody preached that message a couple months ago at midweek and then edited it for the weekend. I can't tell you the number of people that come up to me and said, I am now looking at somebody in my family different, and it's changed our entire relationship. So it's really powerful. As you put on those God goggles and say, man, I have to see the beauty of God in this person, but then it goes to the heart, because not is it just that we got to see, this is a three-part series, it's the eyes, the heart, the feet, see different, feel different, act. Now, obviously, we're going to act every time, but that's sort of the progression. So today is all about the heart. Here's the thing. I may be able to see somebody, but if God doesn't tenderize and soften and break my heart, a heart of empathy for somebody else, What'll happen? I'll just see them and walk by. But if my heart goes from a hard heart to a, uh, or a hard or cold heart to a warm, hot heart, and I have empathy, I will actually then move my feet and do something, which many of you have already done all week. There's a board out there. I'll, I'll show you in a minute the, the things that people have been writing up there. But God has to change our heart or we won't really care. And so I was actually thinking, okay, how can I say that in a way you'll never forget it? I know some of you aren't going to like this, but you know how I like to rhyme things. So here's the big idea of the day. If God doesn't change our heart, we won't give a fart. There you go. That's it. And I know you just offended some of you people. That's why I don't like this church. And some of you are like, that's why I love this church. Anyway, I don't really mean a fart, like, you know, you know, smell. I mean, we don't care. And it rhymes with heart, so I had to use it. Anyway, are you going to remember that? Yes, you're going to remember that. If, we, if God doesn't change our heart, we really don't care. We just don't care. So how do we see God change our heart? And here's what's amazing. I said this Wednesday night at the end of the midweek. By the way, if you missed this past Wednesday night, you got to go watch it. My wife, Ann, preached up here. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. Anyway, it was great. It was great. I told her afterwards, we, that message has to go to all the Kensington. It's one of those messages. You had a dog cage up here. You just got to see it. Anyway, so, so, uh, so I'm, I'm in the Dominican last weekend, 
And I'm sitting in a church Sunday morning, this little church in one of the poorest areas of the Dominican Republic. We didn't go to Putacanta. We went to the Santiago. And it's a really poor area. And there's this ministry called Go Ministry who has a dream of planting 1,000 churches in 10 years. And they planted 72 in the last two years. It's unbelievable. And they're our partners. So they're taking us all around these different churches. So Sunday morning, last Sunday, while you were here, I was in one of the poorest areas of Santiago in a really poor section near a dump that uh, I can't even describe getting there. But I'm sitting in the back of this church. And I took a picture from where I'm sitting. Here's where I'm sitting in this church uh, in Santiago. So you can see, uh, you know, what's funny about this church is it's just like Kensington. That was the beginning of the service. I'm in the back row. Five minutes later, all those seats were full. Everybody shows up late there too. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't think they have the traffic problem we have, but they just show up late. Anyway, so then that thing fills up because I was literally like, why do they have all these chairs? And then boom, they're there. Well, you can look. As you look up there, you see a little laptop. That's their screen. God has blessed us. Look at what we have. Lights, it's unbelievable. They have that little screen, and actually the person that does their slide stands on stage with the pastor. The pastor's there in the yellow on the front row. He's going to go up. They're singing right now. Well, here's the thing. Everything in that service is in Spanish. They're singing worship songs in Spanish, and I'm just standing there. I know no Spanish. I know nothing that's going on. And then Pastor Nicholas gets up, and he starts to preach, and he puts up on that little screen the scripture that he's going to preach from. And I got it. I'll show you. I'm going to preach from the same scripture today because God spoke to me through this. Look at this. This is what was on the screen. All right? I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to understand a thing that happens this whole day. But as I'm looking at that screen, I'm thinking, I wonder what passage he's reading from. And do you know what it is? I look down at the bottom and I see Apocalypse 2, 3 through 5. And I'm like, I know that book. What book is it? Revelation, Apocalypse, the last book of the Bible about the future and the end times, and it's Revelation. So I pull out my digital Bible, you version on my phone, which all of you, I hope you have a digital Bible always in your hand. I pull it out in English, and I read what he's preaching in Spanish. And by the way, the guy must have been amazing, because they're laughing, they're cheering, they're applauding. You can do that here, okay? Just, <laughs> just saying. Even when I'm bad, just go ahead and do it. Anyway, but I mean, I'm like, I don't know what this guy's saying, but they're really engaged with him. So while he continues to go on, because I'm not going to understand anything, I start reading this passage, and I do what we've been teaching people to do here at Midweek, and they're teaching them right now in a workshop. I say, God, speak. I didn't hear a voice. A couple week, uh, midweeks ago, I taught how God speaks through the pews, people, events, word of God, spirit of God. I'm looking at the word of God right in front of me, and I'm asking God, do you have a word for me from this scripture? It's not going to be audible. It's going to be a spirit nudge. And as I'm reading it, oh, my gosh. God's like, here's your, here's your message for Kensington next week. Right here it is. And so I'll read you what I read in English, what he was preaching on. John writes this. He says, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now, I'll tell you who he's talking to in a minute. But he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now, some of you know the book of Revelation. By the way, just a little pet peeve of mine, it's not revelations. There's no S. It's a revelation of God to John. One vision, a revelation, a vision, where an angel showed up, Jesus showed up, and appeared to John. Guess where John is? He's on an island called Patmos. Why? Because he was banned there in exile because instead of hanging him upside down like they did the other disciples for their faith, they just sent him away. He's the only one that wasn't martyred for his faith. 
If you don't believe the gospel is true, you tell me why every disciple gave his life for what he believed to be true. John did as well, but he's on this island. An angel shows up and says, write down everything I I give to you. This revelation, write it down. So he writes it down. The first thing the angel revealed to him was a letter or a vision for seven different churches that were in in that time. This first one in John chapter 2 is the church at Ephesus. And he says, write this and take this to the church at Ephesus. What does he say to the church at Ephesus? He basically says, I have this for you. You've endured. You've endured hardship. Way to go. But I have one thing against you. You've lost your first love. Look at how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That's the message for the church at Ephesus. So I'm sitting there reading this in the back row of that church in the Dominican Republic, and I know that I'm talking about how does God take a heart or cold heart and make it warm, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. I've never seen this before. I've read it. I've taught it. I studied Revelation in seminary. What a book, by the way. What a book. It's all about the end times. I'm not going there today, but the, you know, I've, I've read this passage before. I never saw something that's staring right there. And you probably already saw it. You probably know where I'm going, but it just jumped off the page. Now, here's where we'll start. First thing is this. What does he mean you've lost your first love? Do you know what he's talking about? Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about, do you remember when you first came to Christ? Do you remember when you first found Jesus or you first found the truth? Do you remember how hot you were, how excited you were, how in love with God you were? It was like the most amazing thing you'd ever ever found in your life. It's like when I go to Finley and I go to Dietz's ice cream, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest ice cream in the world and I want to tell everybody about it. It was the same way with Jesus, only it's a lot better than ice cream. It's like, oh my gosh, I have found the truth. I have found the way. I've found the life. I have found the answer to eternal life. I've found the purpose for life. All that in one person, Jesus. And I'm taking you back to me when I was 20 years, 20 years old, that's 40 years ago, I found Jesus in college. I was a church kid that didn't believe any of it. Long story short, when I discovered Jesus is who he said he was, I was on fire. Anybody else that way? I mean, immediately, I'm on fire. I'm like just growing like crazy. In fact, I don't know if I've shared this, but a guy on the campus, I was at Ball State University at the time, a guy calls me, a guy I don't know, he's a senior student, I'm a sophomore, he calls me up in my dorm room. We had the phones with the little cords on them. People remember those, right? I pick it up. He goes, hey, my name is Bill. I'd like to have lunch with you if you'd be interested, but I'll tell you why before you say yes. And I go, what's that? He goes, I'm from Chicago. This summer, I was walking through uh, Chicago on a street, and a guy I hadn't seen in years was on the other side, and he yells across the street, hey, Bill. I look over, hey, man. He goes, I got to talk to you right now. I'm listening to this story like, what is this about? He runs over and he goes, I got to tell you something. I was at a revival meeting this summer. It was actually a Christian concert in Ohio. And he goes, the quarterback of your football team at Ball State gave his life to Jesus at that thing. Here's his name. Here's his number. You need to get a hold of him. I'm like, What? He goes, what are the chances that we are walking down the same street and he tells me that? He goes, did that happen this summer? I go, yeah, a month ago I gave my life to Jesus. He goes, do you want to grow? And I go, yes. He goes, meet me. I'll pour my life into you. I didn't know what that was. It's called discipleship. It's what Jesus said we're supposed to go do. Go make disciples. Our leadership gathering Friday night, that's all we talked about. So Bill is going to make a disciple out of who? Me. A kid who's just broken but has found the truth. 
Bill and I start meeting several times a week. I had never read the Bible in my life. Bill started walking me through the Bible. Here's what it is. Here's the old part. Here's the new part. Here's how it's written. Here's how it goes. Here's the, I remember him saying this. He goes, a man of God is a man of the word. Do you hear me? A man of God is a man of the word. You cannot be a man of God if you don't know this book. So I'm going to teach you this book. So for two and a half years, Bill poured his life into it. Bill said, a man of God shares his faith with others. Well, I was already doing that, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I was turning people off. I put a bumper sticker on my dorm room door that had a finger like this pointing toward heaven and said, one way with Jesus, and I offended a lot of people. I didn't know that people didn't like that. There's not other ways? Nope, there's one way, and it's with Jesus, and I just became this evangelist. I told my mom. I told my dad. I told my brothers, my sisters. My mom literally said, you've joined a cult. Oh, my gosh, you're in a cult. I'm like, I don't think so. It's called Campus Crusade for Christ. I don't think it's a cult. It's a cult. What has happened to you? All you talk about is Jesus. I got a belt buckle that says, Jesus, blood saves. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But anyway, it's just, I was just nutso. Uh, and I remember the day Bill said, hey, let's share Christ with your football team. I was the captain of the team, the quarterback of the team. I go, how do we do that? He goes, let's set up an appointment with everybody on your team. We met, I'm not kidding, with 99 different players on my Ball State football team, led 25 of them to Christ in one conversation, started a Bible study with, that, with those guys that started to impact the whole campus. And I'm in ministry today because God did all that through me. I was like, God can use me? It was amazing. Bill even said, you have a platform on this campus. That's not the only reason you're playing football. Isn't to win games or try and get in the NFL. The reason God has given you this platform is is people listen to you when you talk about things. I'm like, yeah, they do. It doesn't make any sense. He goes, let's utilize that. That's from God. Let's go to the fraternities and you can share your testimony. I'm in. Shared in fraternities. And then it was really funny. He said, let's go to sororities. I said, I'm in. <laughs> Me and a whole bunch of women. That's it. That's ministry's awesome. So, you know, I did all that. And I am just on fire. And there's a ministry that broke out on the campus. It's unbelievable what, got hap what happened. Next Saturday, I get to go back to Ball State. They're inducting our, our uh, MAC championship team into the Hall of Fame, and so we're going back, and we're going to be introduced at halftime. I'm going to see probably 10 or 15 of the guys I led to Christ 40 years ago. And their whole legacy has changed because God used the fire in me to spread on a campus. And by the way, when somebody's hot for Jesus, when somebody's on fire for Jesus, what happens? It's no different than if you're driving down the pier and you see a big fire, you slow down and you're like, what is going on here? That's what happens. When you're on fire, people take notice. And yeah, I, I offended some people because I didn't know how to do it and I've learned how to love people and be tactful and how to share, but I still share Jesus just as strongly as I did when I was a brand new Christian, when I was in love first with Jesus, no different. But here's what I didn't see coming. Even though Bill told me it would happen, I lost my first love. It happens to everybody at some point. You know, I was on fire, and I was seeing God work, and then I go into my junior year and my senior year, and, you know, I just started to sort of drift a little bit. It was just not a big thing. It was just, you know, I wasn't getting up early every day to get in the Word, which had become a practice of mine. I would miss a small group here and there because I had other things more important. I'm thinking about my future now as I graduate and what I'm going to do. And I, I mean, I literally wrote down in my notes just sort of how we lose our first love. I got complacent. I got lazy. I stopped meeting with Jesus. I started to drift. I started to, instead of resist temptation, started to give in. Oh, by the way, it was all private. Nobody knew. I was still at church. I was still at the meetings. I was still raising my hands in worship. And I was looking at porn. And nobody knew because I didn't tell anybody, because I knew I wasn't just being uh, tempted now. I was giving in. And I didn't know that this was what happens when you sin, but I now know it deadens your heart. In fact, the Bible has a word for it. It says your hot, warm, tender heart becomes cold, and it calls it a hardened heart. 
In fact, I don't know if you know this, but if you read the Bible cover to cover, you'll find out one of the scariest places you and I can ever get is to a hard heart. Because when your heart gets hard, usually it's sin or disobedience, you start to say, God doesn't talk anymore, and you don't hear the voice of God, and you just start to drift. It's not usually a big moral sin, although it can be that way. It's usually just little drifts. And the next thing you know, you wake up one day, and God goes, I have this against you. Your heart is hard. You've lost your first love. That was me. And when that happens, it's a really scary place to be. You can sit at church, you can say all the right words, you can quote Bible verses sometimes perfectly, but if you're living out of love with Jesus like you once were, God has a word for you and me today, right here. God still speaks. God wants to draw you back. I don't even think God is mad or upset with you. He loves you. And he's like, come back. Come back. Just come back. And there'll be a result of that, but... Just come back to your first love. I remember reading a book by one of my favorite preachers and authors, Erwin McManus. He pastors a church called Mosaic in Southern California. His daughter and son are both now on staff with him. I don't know if you know the song Tremble that we sing sometimes. His daughter wrote that song and recorded it at Mosaic Worship. Anyway, he tells this story in the book called Barbarian Way, uh, Barbarian Way on page 88. I'll never forget it where... His son Aaron was at that time maybe 11 or 12 years old, and he got a call from a church camp that his son was at that his son got in a fight and wanted to come home. It's always great when the pastor's kid gets in a fight at the church camp, which has happened to me with all three of my sons. That's another story. So Erwin goes up to the camp in, in the Big Bear Mountains to pick up his son Aaron, and as Aaron gets in the, in the car, I, I wrote it down because I, I want to make sure I say this well. He says, to, he says to Aaron, he goes, let me ask you something, Aaron. Before we leave this camp, have you heard God say anything to you in the middle of this? And he had had some time to wait for his dad to get there. And so he's asking his son if he's really sensed the voice of God in this, which is what we've been talking about a lot at midweek. And Aaron says, yeah, I've heard God speak. And he goes, what's he been saying? He goes, he's telling me to stay and work it out. And, and then... Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll read it to you. He says, he says, yes, he's telling me to stay and work it out. Erwin says, Aaron, do you realize what just happened? You just heard the voice of the living God. He spoke to you from within your soul. Forget everything else that has happened. God has spoken to you, and you were able to recognize him. And Aaron, 12-year-old, looks at his dad and goes, yeah, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> Let's go. Is that a 12-year-old? Yeah, I heard the voice of God. That's great, Dad, but I'm not doing that. I'm not staying. I'm not working this out. Let's get out of here. And this, look at this. This is such good parenting wisdom. Erwin says, he says, son, that's your choice, but let me tell you what's going to happen if you make that choice. He says, if you reject the voice of God and choose to disobey his guidance, your heart will become hardened and your ears will become dull. And if you continue on this path, there will come a day when you will believe that God never speaks anymore. There will come a day when you will deny that God even speaks or has ever spoken to you. But if you treasure God's voice and you respond to him with obedience, then your heart will be warm and soft and your ears will always be able to hear the whisper of God into your soul. That is such great truth. And guess what Aaron decided to do? Stay. Guess what Aaron's doing today? Still hearing the voice of God and obeying. I'm not saying perfect, and I'm not perfect than you or you, but let me tell you something. This losing your first love is a big deal. And it happens in all areas of our life. 
Let me ask some. Do you ever lose your first love in relationships? Oh, yeah. Some of you just went like this, like, we're there right now. <laughs> right? I mean, you start dating. I mean, when Ann and I started dating, oh, my gosh. She would just look over at me and smile, and I would melt. I was so infatuated, so in love. We started dating. I mean, I go to college in Muncie, Indiana, Ball State. She's in college at the University of Kentucky, Lexington, which is three and a half hours away. I would not kid. Play a football game on Saturday. As soon as the game's over, get in the car, drive three and a half hours to spend one hour with her and drive back. Is that nuts? Not if you're in love. If you're not in love, you're like, dude, don't even think about it. It costs money, blah, blah, blah. But when you're in love, you're like, that's what lovers do. It's like, oh, you just accept. We would, this is back before cell phones. We would call each other almost every night on the little phone, right? How many people remember long distance charges, bills? See, you kids don't even know what we're talking about. They billed you per minute. Everybody, there was no unlimited. You were paid. My bill every month was over $200. I'm a college student. Her was the same thing. And half the night, it'd be 12 a.m. All we did was breathe. And I don't mean like, <gasps> I mean, <laughs> did you say something? I, sorry, I woke up. For hours. Why do you do that? First love. You're so infatuated. You're so in love. It, it, it's just amazing. I remember, you know, we were followers of Christ. It was the first relationship I ever had in my life where we prayed before we went out and we prayed at the end. There's a new concept, right? So we, I'm not kidding. We would sit in my car and I want to have sex with her so bad, but we're waiting until we're married. I would just hold her hand and be like, you know, you're just so in love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, you're looking at me like, you never did that. Yeah, you did. It's like, oh, I remember we said, I hope Jesus doesn't come back before we have sex. You know, I'm serious. It was just like, that's what first love is like. You're just like, I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything to do. And then, married people know where I'm going to go. You get married, and that love dissipates over time. It usually doesn't take an hour. It usually takes a week, but it's quick. I'm kidding. You know, but it's like, oh my gosh, you drift. And, you know, the things I said about your spiritual walk, do we do the same thing? We get complacent. We get lazy. We stop going out on dates. We drift. We give in to temptation. We stop. Every relationship will drift that way unless you stop that drift. And here's the, here's the amazing thing. Most couples, and, and I say in our marriage book, I say this. I believe, and I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating, 100% of couples at one point in their marriage will think this, whether they say it out loud or not, they'll think this, I married the wrong person. Because this person isn't doing for me what I thought this person would do for me, and what this person did for me before is gone. So I don't feel that, so I married the wrong person. And we say in the book, the reason it's called vertical marriage is you're looking in the wrong place. Nobody will ever give you what you're looking for. It only comes from well, who we just sang about vertically. That's why it's called vertical marriage. You know what we get to do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? Ian and I get to go to Grand Rapids, Zondervan, and we're recording our audio book the next three days. So you get to listen to an audio. Anyway, so, but that's the whole principle. It's like, oh my gosh, that's what happens in relationships. That's what happens spiritually. And here's the thing God said to me in the Dominican Republic last Sunday. Look at what I say to do to get your first love back. This is what I'd never seen before. I'd heard sermons about first love. I had never read what he says in, back in John. He says what? How do you get your first love back? He says, repent and do the things you did at first. I missed that. See, I thought you get your first love back by feeling something, by getting the emotions back. No, no, no. He says, repent and what? Do what you did when you were first in love with Jesus. By the way, 
The same thing's true for your marriage in any relationship. I was listening to Craig Rochelle, and I love to listen to his podcast, and, and sometimes they preach some of the clips from his sermon. And I was watching him, he and his wife actually talk about marriage. They wrote a marriage book uh, last year. It would be a lot better than our marriage book. Anyway, Craig Rochelle, one of the pastors of Life Church, one of the biggest countries, here's what he said about marriage. He's talking about losing your first love in your marriage. He said this, to get what you once had, you must do what you once did. That's a great principle. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did, right? And that's what we do in marriage, right? He says, you had it once, you can have it again, but you got to go back and do what you used to do. I talk to couples all the time to cover our marriage conferences, and I say, hey, when's the last time you did one of these? They say, well, we've never done a marriage retreat in our life. How long have you been married? 25 years. Are you kidding me? Do you ever go out on a date? Date? We're married. Why would we go on a date? Oh, my gosh. You got to go out and sit and talk and listen. Put the kids away. Oh, no, we can't leave our kids. Yeah, you can. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do for your relationship and even for them. Am I, am I right, older parents? They become teenagers and they look at mom and dad pouring into their marriage and they say, that's what you have to do to keep your first love. I'm going to do that when I get married. It's a model for your kids. And so some of you don't do this. I'm thinking, you did it when you started. You're not doing it anymore. So if you want to get what you once had, you got to do what you... Come on, you got to yell that out. If you want to get what you once had, you got to do what you... Yeah, and here's the thing. If you don't like what you're getting, it's another gross shell statement, look at what you're giving. These are simple life truths that he's applying to marriage and I'm applying to the walk with God. If you don't like what you're getting in your walk with God, don't blame God. Look at what you're giving. What are you doing? So here's what, here's what it is. Very simple. John, through this vision, says, God literally is saying to John, write this down. He's saying it to not just the church at Ephesus, but the church at Orion and to you and me. What's he saying? Repent. That's his first word. Repent. What does that mean? Some of you know this. You're Bible scholars. I never knew this until I started studying the Bible. The Greek word is metanoia. Why do I say Greek? It's written in originally Koine Greek, a very specific dialect. The word is metanoia. It means change, meta, knowledge, noia. Change your thinking. How many times have you heard me say this at Kensington? Belief dictates what? It's another B word. Belief dictates, determines behavior. So you can't start changing your behavior unless you start thinking differently. Repent means do not live the same way you're living. Do not think this is the answer to life. You have just realized the day I gave my life to Christ, and I'm praying today, even as we take communion at the end of the day, I'm praying today, somebody repents today. And says what? I'm no longer living this way. I used to think I was the answer to my life. I used to think my marriage was the answer to my life. I used to think eternal life comes through me working hard. I just realized today, Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only name. He is the truth, the way, and the life. There's no other way. He is it. We just sang it. For God so loved the world that he gave his own life for me. That when you understand, man, I didn't believe that before. I believe that. that that's, that's repent. I'm going this way. Repent means I'm changing my direction. You don't have to change it all the way. You just change a little bit, and you are on a whole different path, and you're following Jesus, and that is life starts right there. So he says, you want to get your first, life, your first love back? He says, stop living the way you're living. I'm hoping, I'm not kidding. I'm hoping somebody today is sitting here right now, and the Spirit of God is stirring in you this. What am I doing living like this? It's done. It's over. That life ends right now. That's repent. That life ends right now. I'm not doing this anymore. This sin that I'm secretly giving into, done. I'm going to tell somebody that means repent is real. Because here's the thing. A lot of people right now are going, oh, yeah, God, I repent, I repent. You're going to do nothing. Repent is always followed by what? Fruit, action, symptoms. You should always be able to tell something happened in that guy's life. 
Why? Because he's talking? Nope, because he's living and walking different. What happened to you, dude? He'll say, I repented. I just gave my life to Jesus, and he changed my heart. This hard heart is now warm, and I'm following him. And what do you do? You do what you did at first. What's that? Second point. Repent. And then he says, do the things you did at first. Here's what I say. Recklessly pursue Jesus. It's that simple, people. I'm telling you, it's that simple. If you want to fall in love with Jesus again, pursue, pursue, pursue. It's like real estate. It's all about location, 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 right? A walk with God is about one thing. Pursue him, pursue him, pursue him. And by the way, as you take one step toward God, he is running toward you. All you have to do is take one step. That's repent. I'm living this way. I'm not going this way anymore. I'm turning to Jesus. Whoa! He will meet you in the first step. He'll take the next 99. You don't have to. You just take one step to pursue him. Boom, he's there. So here's what I'd say, and I mean this. You want to walk with God. You want to get back to your first love. I just wrote this down real quick this morning. Get up, get in, get connected, get moving. It's that simple. Get up means what? Get up. Get up tomorrow early, 15, 30 minutes before you normally do. I guarantee you'll do that for your body. I don't want the body I have anymore. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. Well, guess what? It's the same thing by your soul. Get up. Make it a rhythm, a discipline in your life. I'm going to get up. What am I going to do? Get in what? The Word. Open the Word of God. I didn't even know what was in there. When I started opening the Word of God the first time in my life as a college student, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is in the Word of God. It's rich. It's unbelievable. So I started to get the Word. I get in the Word, and the Word got started to get in me, and it started to change my life. I fell in love with Jesus like I couldn't contain it. just overflowed my life. And I know this. about, about I know this from 40 years of being a pastor. You know what I've learned? You guys don't care if my sermons are real cute and I rhyme heart with fart or any of that stuff. Here's what you guys come for. Am I right? You want to know, is this man walking with Jesus? Is what he's doing in his life an overflow of him being in Jesus? Am I right? People that come here that don't know Christ, they don't really care about one thing. There's one thing. Are the people in this place in love with somebody I don't know? When they sing, do they sing? Do they have passion? Is it just a thing they go through? Or is there something real going on that they're on the outside going, man, I don't know what's going on here, but I want it. And that fire is so strong. It's a first love that grows. It's like, man, that only happens if you get up, you get in the words, you get, you get to church, you get to midweek, you get to live stream, you get to man up, guys. Seriously, get your butt to man up. It'll change your life. And when you get there, you'll get connected. That means you'll meet people. And you'll be in a small group, and you'll have other men, other women, other couples. Every week in the lobby, there's a way for you to connect. We don't do that for us. We do that for you so that you can be in love with Jesus. As you get up, you get in, you get connected, and then finally, you get moving. You get moving, and you do something. The thing that happened in churches for all my life is churches never did anything. They knew the Bible like nobody ever knew it, but they never lived it. When you start living out your faith... Your first love returns in a way you will never believe it. And this intentional acts of kindness thing is all about like this. When you fall in love with Jesus and you see him for who he is and he comes into your life, here's what happens. He takes one of the first things he does, and he did this in my life. He takes your eyes off yourself, which has been your whole life. It's all about me. Who's going to take care of me? How am I going to find life? How am I going to get money? All this stuff. And he goes, it's not about you, dude. It's about everybody else that I made in my image. Go love them. The money I gave you is not for you. Most of it is, but give it away. The talents and gifts I give you, not for you. Go love people. And so you see your neighbors, like Cody was talking last week, you see people differently, and now your heart is broken. So now you have a heart of empathy, and now you start to move. And you bless people, and it's absolutely amazing. You know, we just pulled a couple of these off the board. This is what happened just a couple this weekend. This is a little six-year-old wrote what they did last week, gave my Twinkie to a friend. Right? And then it went on. It started a conversation in my class about what it means to pass it on. 
second grader. Here's another one. I got a traffic ticket, so I went to fight my ticket. I lost. In paying my ticket, the woman next to me couldn't pay hers, so I paid her ticket too. Just simple stuff like that. It's just an amazing, amazing thing, and it's just what happens. God gives us eyes to see, but then he breaks our heart to care, and we go move. So we're going to take the offering. As you watch a video of just one intentional act of kindness, we put on video where we walked in. A buddy named Rick has an auto repair shop, and we just walked in and helped people out. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, as you watch it, you'll feel the heart of God in your soul. This is what God called us to be as a church. Let's bless people. How do we do that? We give, not just time, but our money. God takes it, and he blesses the world. So I, no apology. I invite you to give and let God speak and show you what he can do with us and with our money, and then we'll take communion, and we'll walk out, and we'll go live this baby out. Watch this. So we're talking about intentional acts of kindness. And so we're here today at Rick's Tire and Wheel. And our goal today is to just pay for people's mechanic bill as they come walking through the door. And we're really excited and we can't wait to see what God's going to do. Back breaks are at 10% and you know about the thing. So I think yeah. why we just get in and we go ahead and do it all. What do you mean? What do you, uh, we just go ahead and do it all while you're here. You know, I know we said about 300, so it, it's actually probably 750. Oh my gosh, okay, well. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and pay for it today. Take care. What? Of it. So free. Uh, there you go. What yeah. are you talking about? What? Yeah. That's an awful big blessing. Okay, well, do I have to do something? No, you like... have to. All you have to do is take your card, take the bill, and it's all handled. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So what this is is put in the real wind regulator motor. It's two hundred and thirty dollars total. How about if I just pay for it? How's that? And then just tell your mom, God bless you. God is good. And that's it. You guys, know, you guys know my mom? Nope. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. That's very, that's very kind. Very appreciate that. Yeah, very welcome. kind. Thank, Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rick, too. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi. Oh, hey. Good to thank you for You're your welcome. blessing. You're welcome. But I'm very undeserving. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. It was my son came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the best thing you can do is go do it for somebody else randomly. Total bill is $50. We're going to go ahead and take care of it today. God is good. Oh, my goodness. Take oh, care of it. We're just going to go ahead and take care of it for you. Oh, good. really? Yeah, God is good. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, appreciate you. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, awesome. thank you so much. Right, thank you. No problem. Have a great day. It was like $1,275. Excuse me. Excuse me, ma'am. I would like to pay for the $1,275. I, um, my girlfriend was at uh, Rick's Tire, and I believe it was a pastor of your church, uh, paid her bill, which was $1,400. Just want to thank you, and, and I know God will bless you. Uh, this was a bill that came a little bit more than what I expected, but with the... Uh thing because we put the master and it was 825 total oh, okay yeah the master too okay All right exactly so today we're gonna go ahead and just pay that for you oh yeah get out of so here god bless you no -uh. for real no that's it buddy god no way you. god is good no way get out of here no for real i know you've had your share of problems oh, with uh pass god so. oh my god dude yes hey, man god is good <laughs> Wow. 
Oh my God. Right day at the right time. Oh my God, I'm dying right now. Thank you so much, man. Welcome, buddy. You're welcome. God bless you. Well, you said, uh, you said if anybody could use a heat, did you come across some hardships lately? Uh, yeah, um, a little bit. It's just been really tough, and, and uh, I, I need my car for, for work and everything. Yeah. You got the trans floods, and you wanted the injection, right? With the one, and then along with the power steering flush. Anyways, the total is four ninety-five. He suckered me into a bunch of more money. Come on. I'm paying people's mechanic bills. Well, you're paying. I'm paying for you. That's five hundred. There it is. No, it's not. Yes, sir. No, I don't do that, sir. My grandfather was a preacher, and no, appreciate it, but no, I can't do that. Are you I'm serious? I'm serious. I cannot do that. Uh, well, Everybody I, I, works for a living, and so do I. I, I greatly appreciate it. It's top notch, but let somebody else that really needs it help somebody else out. And then throw it on the cart, then he has to do it. Which is just what happened to you. I have to do it. I have to listen to my pastor first. Okay. Yeah, there it is, man. God bless you. All right. Thank you, sir. I, I really wish you paid somebody else that would that really needs it. Wow. Yeah. I'm off our butts. Yeah. That is just awesome. You're welcome, buddy. Thank you so God bless much. you. Call I had to take right after that happened? Yes, sir. Medical supply place just cost me 485 bucks out of my pocket. I wasn't expecting so. Which is almost the amount of your bill. I just walked on. I just looked. I said, really? I looked across and said, thanks, Graham. That's wow. awesome. Beatty was a total. Okay. Now, you've up. been sitting here watching this for the last hour. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and take care of your bill today. And so it's all paid for. You don't have to worry about it. You didn't think we were going to let you slide out of here without doing that, did I you? I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. Thanks. You're welcome. God bless you, man. Tell you what, that's... I mean, I'm wiping tears. I see people wipe tears. You know why we're crying? You just got a glimpse into the heart of God. That's the heart of God. He loves you that much. And when you and I receive that love and fall in love with him, he gives us eyes to say, I love everybody around you more than you'll ever know. And you can do an intentional act to show them my love as an overflow of your heart and your soul. That's why you tear up. That's why it touches us so deep. It's, it's the heart of God. And that doesn't happen with us unless we let him soften and tenderize and overfill our heart with his love. And then we care and we go and we bless. And so the way we're going to end today is we're going to receive communion. Because why? Communion is a, a, is a picture. It's a visual symbol of receiving the body broken for us, that's the bread. The juice is the blood poured for us. We, because of Christ, have life from death, and we have forgiveness, and we don't deserve it. It's amazing grace. It's the love we sang about as we started today. It's like, I don't deserve this, yet God gave it to me. And he says, I don't want to just keep it there. Give it away. And so as you receive communion today, we're going to do it uh, with, a, with a couple songs. And after the first song, it's called Come to the Altar, and it's really what we're doing. We're coming to the altar as we sit here and Look at that bread and that juice. Hold on to that. I'll come up after the first song, and we'll take it together. And then we'll close with the final song and walk out of here and live out what God, God has called us to do. So you are welcome. Everybody's welcome to the table 
of communion. This is not Kensington communion. This is the communion of the Lord Jesus, and he, he invites you. And some of you, today's your day to repent. First time in your life, receive Jesus through communion.